The Incomparable Number 192 April 2014 Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast, the podcast that should be renamed the uh, Draftcast because I, um, when in doubt, I like to draft things and I like to have people draft things. And I thought this would be a funny idea. And so tonight we are drafting robots slash androids. Basically, they can't be computers. We drafted computers in our Macworld Expo episode this year. Uh, they need to be sort of mobile, um, but they could be robots or androids or, you know, the judges can judge about other sorts of things but ideally kind of autonomous artificial life forms from all of space and time from all different kinds of uh tv and movies and books and comics and anything else you can think of uh so we're gonna real life can we include real life you sure awesome fine (laughs) if you you want to do that steve go right ahead let me introduce my panel of, of drafters who will be joining me we will be assembling five super teams of the finest artificial intelligences invented by people. Uh, Steve Lutz, who I just uh, uh, exchanged pleasantries with. Hello, Steve. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you. I was not told that we would be producing super teams, so I will be producing <laughs> uh, barely adequate teams. Just call usual. it a super team, and that's all. Nobody will ask questions. It's super adequate. Yeah, that's fine. Adequacy is important. David Lore is also assembling an artificial intelligence uh, task force. Hello. I, I suppose that's one word for it. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to apply some level of, uh, of of sanity to this insane thing. It's probably a bad a, a, idea. A veneer, shall yeah, we say. Sure. Sure. Erica Ensign also going to be assembling uh, her robot all-stars. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I didn't realize it was supposed to be a super team either. So this is just going to be a, a team that Erica's just really excited to hang out with. How about that? That's fine. <laughs> that's pretty super in its own way. That's right. So most people would just go with this premise and be like, yeah, sure, they're super, whatever. But you guys are all like, man, I don't know about that. I don't know how super they're going to be. That's fine. Monty Ashley is also out there. He's going to also assemble a list of robots. Hello. <laughs> I will commit mostly to that description. Oh. Yes. <laughs> mostly. Mostly a list of robots and or androids. Uh, it may be a tree list. of robots. It, it's, there could be some logical form to it. And so here's how the draft order is going to go. It's been selected at random by me. It's going to be David, Aww. David, then Monty, Aww. then Erica, Aww. then Steve. Yay! And I, <laughs> and I will go last, me, Jason. Wait a minute. You always go last. So technically, I'm last in the order. No, I'm always last. You're, uh. you're, you're, you're the worst of the other panelists. <laughs> well, that goes without saying, I think. You're last you're among last. equals. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't feel bad, Steve. You're 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 equal in my heart, if not in the order. I feel bad. David Lore, you get the first pick of any robot or android ever. What would you like? Oh man. See, I prepared this list of robots assuming that I was gonna get, you know, they were all gonna get picked out from under me. So I just I started going obscure. But you know what? I'm gonna go with Robbie the Robot. Ah. From Forbidden Planet. Nice. Gotta check that off my list. And and a movie called The Invisible Boy, where he's supposed to be the same robot as in Forbidden Planet, which is kind of weird. Hmm. So, What makes Robbie the Robot, I mean, what makes Robbie the Robot interesting and what makes him different from the robot that's in Lost in Space? Well, Because um, <laughs> I could never tell those two apart. <laughs> he actually appeared on Lost in Space once. But he's not the yeah. Danger Will Robinson robot, right? No, that's just the robot. All right. He is referred to as the robot. 
Okay. Yeah, he's he's a little more interesting. He's got, you know, um, just a more interesting design with all his sort of uh, clockwork mechanisms that are visible. And uh, he was on the, the Twilight Zone at least once, too. Because basically they built this thing and they're like, well, geez, we built a robot. <laughs> Put it in things. Now what do you do with it? Yeah. It's like a guy. It's like he's sort of like the Michelin man with a dome for a head. Yes. And and like one thing sticking out the side of his head and one thing sticking out the top of his head. And uh, doesn't look very comfortable to move in, but what robot does. Um, But yeah, I just I, I remember seeing the invisible boy years and years ago after I'd seen Forbidden Planet and thinking, well, it's great that they reused him. But then. It you know it was clear that you know this was a robot sent back in time, and this brilliant child reassembles him when all the scientists can't. And and the more complicated this movie got, the more I thought, wow, this is a really weird little universe of its own. Because by that point, I was already thinking in terms of you know Star Trek's universe and Star Wars and Doctor Who and Galactica. You know they all had their own existences, and here's this you know whoever knew that Forbidden Planet had any other story connected to it. But this is a really strange story to connect to it because it's it's about a, a little boy who is lonely. He has no friends and he he rebuilds this robot that's been sent back in time when his father is just going to destroy it because he can't rebuild it. And the robot becomes his friend and then somehow grants him the power of invisibility. And so they go around pulling pranks on people and then it gets serious and weird and, you know, um, it's it's not at all a good movie by any stretch. Um, you know what? I've seen this. How have I seen this movie? It sounds going to be familiar. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that you just sort of run across. At least, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's how I found it in the 80s. Um, I think it was on, you know, the middle of the night after Saturday Night Live one night. And I went, ooh, robot. Sure. as As one does. As you do. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, yeah, I mean, literally the only reason I watched it was because I love the robot. I love I love the clicking and flipping of of gears and mechanisms that are visible in the dome, um, which is, you know, after a while, that's the only thing you really want to pay attention to in the movie. Um, well, the Swiss, the Swiss engineers who built all the gears to keep him. Yes. <laughs> very impressive engineering there. Those are precision gears. And, you know, I mean, the robot in Lost in Space, a little bit of a ripoff, mm-hmm. but, you know, and, and I don't know if they were built by the same person or not. They were. They were. They were designed by the same person, yes. Mm. Okay. I, he was not very original. He <laughs> <laughs> had one good idea. Well, and I mean, Irwin Allen being Irwin Allen, he probably said, make it look as much like the robot as you can. Because um, Irwin Allen, oh God. Um. But yeah, I mean, Forbidden Planet is a great movie. I mean, that's just, you know, it's it's the Tempest in space. And, you know, that's a pretty good template to go off of for a mad scientist in exile. Um, I mean, I, I still just remember uh, shrieking monsters from the id when I was about eight and didn't want to go to bed. Hmm. And uh, my mother knew even then. That says a lot about you, David. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Incidentally, bit of incomparable related trivia: mm-hmm. the uh, the fellow inside the suit operating the robot, an uncredited Frankie Darrow, who uh, who previously appeared in the Phantom Empire serial with ah. uh, Gene Autry. He was the the young the young boy uh, 
Robbie the robot coming through. That's right. <laughs> Something like that. Got to get my cardboard oiled. Bit of a niche genre for Frankie Darrow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> All right, Robbie the robot. Robbie the robot. Fair enough. The name is uh, famous. He's one of the more famous robots. Monty, it's your turn to pick a robot. Well, since I'm so early in the list, um, obviously the main thing you want a robot for is to be your pal, to hang out with, to watch movies with. Yes. So I'm going to have to pick Crow T. Robot. (laughs) (laughs) He has the word robot right in his name. You took the bad one. (laughs) Excuse me. <laughs> How dare you, sir? I'm a servo man. I am I'm a servo man as well. Servo can't even walk out of the theater. I'm with you, Monty. I love Crow. Wisecracker. Easy wisecracker. Yeah. I'm different. <laughs> it, technically I'm taking the Trace Baloo version of Crow if that's necessary. That is that well, it's not necessary, but uh, I appreciate your uh, careful uh, consideration there. Yeah. Bill Corbett will be heartbroken. Me and my robot pal will have many pleasant hours making fun of tele- making fun of movies and television. Why not? So he's a a uh, bowling pin sawed in half, a lacrosse mask. Ace. What else? Uh, there's a soap dish holding two ping pong balls, and his body is a Tupperware Floralier set. <laughs> or originally, anyway. Obviously, they vacuum formed those pieces, and they had a whole bunch of them. Floralier, is that the shape, or is that the name of somebody who designed that particular Tupperware set? It's the name of the shape, I think. It was out of print by the time Crow showed up, so it's very hard to find. Not very clever. Makes knocking off Crow T. Robot more difficult. Geeks out there, though. Great name for a baby daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could just name your daughter Crow. I mean, people love Corvids. I always love Crow. And do we have more to say about Crow? <laughs> or are we hitting the lightning round already with the second pick? I love I love Crow. Crow is Crow mm-hmm. is great. And he and he has that bowling pin mouth. Uh there's a optical illusion named after him. I think that's kinda neat. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, you can't you tell can't if he's tell... facing forward or backwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. He is facing the screen, but it's really easy to convince yourself he's facing the camera when he's in silhouette. I did that a couple of times when I first started watching this show. I was like, what's going on? Stop looking at me. Joe, why are they looking at me? Um, okay, Crow T Robot. That's great. The T stands for? Probably the. Probably yep. the. Mm. Also Tiberius, we would oh. have expected. <laughs> Erica, you get to pick a robot now. Crow is off the board, but Cambot is still available. And Gypsy. Go crazy on Gypsy. I had actually written, not as my first pick, but I had somewhere down the line written Tom Servo, crossed him out and put Gypsy in instead because I feel like she's very underrepresented. Ah, Gypsy's great. Richard Basehart! (laughs) 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 But no, my my first pick, uh, fulfilling my Doctor Who quota for the day, um, since I think I'm required by contract to mention Doctor Who on every episode of The Incomparable that I'm on, I am going to pick, no surprise to anybody that knows me, K9. I almost spotted you, K9, at the beginning, because yeah. I knew that was where we were going here. Lovely choice, mistress. I will, cr- I will crash, I will cross him off my list, <laughs> because he was on my list. Yes, uh, K9 appeared on Doctor Who first in 1977 in the story The Invisible Enemy, uh, voiced very well by John Leeson at that point. Later on, um, they decided that K9 had uh, robot laryngitis, because John Leeson left the show and he was briefly <laughs> Voiced by David Brierly. And then John Leeson came back. So his laryngitis got better. So um, 
Yay. He got they got him some robot dog teeth. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I I adore canine, and there's probably a lot of nostalgia involved in this. I was I was a kid the first time I saw him, and I was just like talking metal doggy. What more could mm-hmm. you ask for as a kid? It was just he was super smart. He was completely smug. He took everything literally, and I was kind of one of those obnoxious literal kids that would just you know do everything my parents told me to to the letter of the, what they said instead of the spirit of it. So. He got him a good side that way. But canine's interesting because there are a number of canines. I think we're up to Mark Four at this point. Because uh, the very first canine decided to stay on the doctor's home planet with one of his companions. The second canine got trapped in a... Sec- sep- well, he decided to stay with another of the doctor's companions in eSpace, a, a pocket universe. Don't ask, by the way. Don't ask about eSpace. <laughs> yeah, you, really. You don't want the details. <laughs> Uh, the Canine Mark Three actually did not appear in Doctor Who at all. That was just a spin-off <laughs> series, Canine and Company, uh, which didn't really go anywhere. Really, mm-hmm. a spin-off uh, pilot that that failed. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a great theme song, though. Man, the theme song will Canine and Company. It's you were very close, Steve. It is. It was except think more eighties. Do 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 do. Canine. It's a super catchy catchy theme song. Canine. The opening credits are online. Highly recommended. Oh, it they're so 80s. You see Sarah Jane Sarah Jane Smith is sitting like on the porch wearing leg warmers, drinking a glass of red wine. It just doesn't get any better than that opening theme song. I, I, I recommend you guys go and check it out because it's great. And that canine from Canine and Company is actually the canine that then appeared later in the new version of Doctor Who in school reunion when Sarah Jane came back and he sacrificed himself. <laughs> At the end of that story it was very sad but then the doctor whipped up canine mark four and that is who is one of the co-stars of the sarah jane adventures another spin-off this one which actually took took it somewhere rather than being canceled after the pilot and where canine is a lesser character and not the center <laughs> yeah. of attention as in canine and company sarah jane your company it's just company <laughs> i was just gonna say they, they shifted the focus the right way this time yes yep they got it to work I love that school reunion episode too. I, I I always thought about K9 as like, oh, this ridiculous thing that was in the old Doctor Who, along with all the other ridiculous things. When they brought him back, not only does it, I have this intense feeling of nostalgia, but I love how he's he's at first played for laughs. It's like, why you ha- why do you have the tin dog? And then there's a wonderful moment where where Mickey Rose's sometime boyfriend realizes that his place <laughs> in the modern Doctor Who cast is the robot dog, <laughs> yeah, and it really lays him low. He's like, oh god, I'm the tin dog. It's a wonderful. <laughs> moment yeah. where to realize your canine is like ouch ow ow even canine is kind of mean to mickey <laughs> yeah. yeah it really is sad and i mean i i think another reason that they did that is because the, the actors absolutely hated working with that dog prop back in the yeah. in the 70s and 80s because it mm. couldn't go over terrain of any kind it couldn't go over terrain they had to crouch down to talk to him they would sometimes actually trip <laughs> over him um the the noise was so much that it would pick it up they'd have to reshoot scenes because his motors and servos were too noisy he could only turn right very easily it was it was pretty ridiculous poor canine that's oh canine and there there is like a cgi uh produced in australia car uh, car children's mm-hmm. uh 
cartoon TV show that is all about canine. It's actually live action, but he's canine is, is CGI and apparently has the ability to regenerate. That, however, does not technically take place in the Doctor Who universe. It's uh, not canonical at all. It's not. No, it's not BBC. It's uh, Bob Baker and Dave Martin who created the character of canine still own the rights to canine. So they were able to spin off this show, but they're not allowed to actually like reference any of the Doctor Who characters on that show. We don't speak of no. it. No, we don't. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> Go fetch my sonic screwdriver. <laughs> oh, no, don't pee oil in the TARDIS, canine. You are, you are very close. But again, more synths are required. Yep. Steve, you get to pick a robot now, Steve. Uh, okay. Well, I'm so glad that Erica is uh, Doctor Who and can be pretty much guaranteed to go Doctor Who because <laughs> that means with MST3K uh, basically taken out of the running, uh, I still get to pick one of my favorite robots. Uh, I turned 42 this year, uh-huh. and I now have an iPad with Don't Panic engraved on the back. So it only makes sense uh-huh. that I would select Marvin the Paranoid Android as my first draft pick. He is, of course, the ship's robot aboard the Heart of Gold, uh, a prototype for the serious cybernetics corporation's genuine people personalities. Naturally, he's your plastic pal who's fun to be with. He is a failed prototype, uh, receiving, as he did, an <laughs> utterly depressive uh, personality. And he spends most of his time griping about the fact that he's millions of times more intelligent than, than humans, and yet he's basically reduced to getting tea for the crew. In fact, I think, doesn't he end up stuck on a prehistoric planet and he's just forced to, to, to wait there until civilization <laughs> kind of builds up around him? That sounds right. He has to wait there all the way until the end of the universe. Oh, that's right. That's they, they don't pick him up until the end of the universe. That's right. <laughs> it's magical. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Marvin is great. Well, that was a very which, good pick, I guess. Which version do you like the best? I I I favor book Marvin because I don't hmm. think any of the actual uh, TV show or movie Marvins really captured it for me. Although the original, I think it's the original TV show Marvin is pretty solid because he looks he looks like he should be depressed. <laughs> He's so poorly yeah. made. <laughs> life, don't talk to me about life. He's great. I love yeah, I love the TV show Marvin. <laughs> pretty solid Radiohead song came from him as well. So. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm a big fan of Marvin. In fact, as uh, as a high school speech team a president, I spent a year traveling around the Inland Empire doing a really awful depressed British accent as part of my humorous <laughs> interpretation <laughs> speech. Steve, Steve, you and I have something shocking in common, which is my high school speech class. We had to do a we had to perform a dialogue, and the dialogue I performed is Prosser and Arthur Dent arguing about whether they're going to demolish his house or not. Nice. So nerds is what I'm saying. Good job. Yeah, yeah. You could say that. Nerds. And I also <laughs> had to uh, do a thing in, in drama class in, in high school where it was the, we did Ford and Arthur in the bar. Wow. I did nothing uh, performative, but I did spend several months engaged in a vicious game of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> trivia with someone. Okay. Wow. The winning question was, what color is the sash that the... Pre- president of the universe wears oh wow is it clear turns out, out it's orange oh, oh all right well it's a good thing well, there weren't any hitchhikers related questions in the genus edition of trivial <laughs> <laughs> be 
because you would have mopped the floor with us all that quicker. I feel like everyone would have mopped the floor with everyone. Nope, not me. I came I came to Hitchhiker's Guide too late. Didn't hit me right. It's mm, a shame. I'm reliving it now as, as uh, my 12-year-old has just finished the first one. Well, cut him off after book three or four. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cut him over into the Dirk Gently books. I just skip four and go straight to Don't Panic. I liked, I'm not Don't Panic. What is the, what was the last book? Mostly called? Harmless. Mostly Harmless. I, I liked yeah. that, actually. I know I, that's a rarity. Don't Panic is Neil Gaiman's biography of Douglas Adams. That's right. All right, Marvin, the paranoid android. Very good. Uh, I'm up. My choice, I kind of can't believe he's still out there. He's he's Star Trek's Pinocchio. <laughs> it's Data. <laughs> Mr. Data, the android who wishes he could be a real boy. He's got yellow, old yellow eyes. Oh, yes. Um, he... Uh, he has sex with Tasha Yar at one point. <laughs> he adopts a, a daughter at another point. He has an emotion chip that's faulty, so sometimes he's scared in lesser Next Generation movies, and then he learns to control it. The, the adoption one is one of the very few Next Generation episodes I've seen. What's her name? Is it like Lil or Lol or something? Is it Lol? Lol. It's really Lol? Yeah. L-A-L. Yeah. And uh, Measure of a Man, which is one of my favorite Next Generation episodes, where there is a court case to determine whether Data is sentient or not, which is a bit of a tearjerker, actually, which you wouldn't expect from a sci-fi courtroom drama. And yet it is actually kind of emotional. You know, I think I think Data is is in some ways the heart and soul of Next Generation. He goes from being a uh, kind of a Spock uh, placeholder in the early days to being... Um, Interesting, funny, uh, very well done character over uh, over time. So I love Data, and he has a cat. He does have a cat, Spot. Apparently, apparently people hated uh, working with Spot just like they hated working with Kane. <laughs> but uh, and Brent, poor Brent Spiner, I cannot imagine how many hours he had to go through uh, in makeup every day to have his funny little metallic uh, face paint that probably gave him horrible like poisoning symptoms, <laughs> heavy metal poisoning, but. Yeah, those yellow eyes were just a side effect of the makeup. <laughs> That's right. He didn't need the contacts. That was that was selenium poisoning. It's painful. All right, so that's that's my pick, Data, Mister Data, Lieutenant Commander Data. Uh, David, it's time for round two, and that means it's your turn. Round two. Well, um, now, do intelligent computers count, or are these only like only if they've got a body? If they're if they're in a if they're a computer, then they're in the computer draft, which we've already recorded. Although you may not know the results of it because it hasn't been posted yet. So, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, where do AIs fall in the scheme of things? Because to to be to to be a robot or android, they must have a uh, they must have a body. If they're defined body, is it okay if the computer controls something that can move around, or does it have to be human shaped? Well, we'll just we'll we'll uh, we'll judge that as it comes. All right, adjusting my list as we speak. <laughs> this is not the computer draft. This is the robot draft. It's different. Well, Hal Nine Thousand is not a robot. He has no body. He has a, He's just a. He has a spaceship for a body. His ship is mm. the body. No. No. Also, he will kill you. Do not draft him. <laughs> he will kill you. Oh, now we can't. This is true. Oh, now we can't have murderous robots. That's half my list. <laughs> oh, man. I just don't advise it. You can have you can have murderous robots. I just am, I'm just as your friend advising you that they will kill you if you draft. Goodbye, them. Yule Brenner. <laughs> but go ahead, <laughs> Yule Brenner in Westworld is available. 
Your Brenner and the King and I not available, not a robot. But the Roomba robotic vacuum is still on the board. <laughs> yes. Although also murderous, so be careful. I'm going to go with a robot from a show I watched regularly when I was little. It is not very good. I knew at the time. Beady, 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 beady. <laughs> that it was not very good. There you go. Beady, 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 um, beady. Hey, Buck. Hey, Buck. Um, and you're going to pick Dr. Theopolis. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was going to go for the twofer because, you know, Tweaky without Dr. Theopolis, kind of boring. Oh, but with Dr. Theopolis, he's a roaring ball of fun. <laughs> a little less boring. Well, he lights up. Tweaky is a robot. You don't get to pick both Tweaky and Dr. Theopolis. Dr. Theopolis, the, the uh, chest hair medallion of, <laughs> of uh, computers, portable computers. It was the late 70s. You, get, you can have Tweaky. But yeah, no, I, I love Tweaky because, you know, Mel Blanc. How can you not like a voice mm-hmm. by Mel Blanc making fun of Buck the whole time? Um, with that sort of like weird blend of Yosemite Sam and Porky Pig going on. <laughs> um, and and just, you know, there was a point in 1988, I think, when I was on a date with a, a girl who pointed out that the guitar riff all throughout Paul Simon's Graceland is basically <laughs> just beady, 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 hey, Buck. I went, oh my God, that's right. <laughs> wow. So there you go. Twiggy. Okay, everybody who hasn't seen Buck Wa- Rogers, I just want to say that David makes it seem better than it actually is. <laughs> hey, man, I want to hang on to my fond memories from being a kid. Don't you, don't crush him. Don't, don't go back and watch it. That's what I'm saying. But it is Mel Blanc, the voice of Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig and many other characters, being a 70s TV disco robot. I don't know, man. Aaron Gray carries a whole lot of goodwill on that show for me. I agree with you, Steve. I'm right there with you. I thought the best part of that show was the uh, exterior spaceship shots they just borrowed from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and the helmets. The like helmets I would from Galactica, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with Steve. Aaron Gray probably is the highlight. Pre, a pre-Silver Spoons, Aaron Gray. <laughs> she was the only reason I watched Silver Spoons. Yeah. Well, that and the giant train. That was cool. But she was blonde in, in Buck Rogers. And she was uh, she had the dark hair and silver spoons. It was very disturbing. I, I loved those first season like white uniforms with the rainbow cuffs on their their sleeves. That was that, those were nice. Ah, oh, Monty, it's your turn to pick a robot. <laughs> By the way, does anybody know has Flavor Flav ever been seen sporting a Doctor Theopolis? <laughs> <laughs> Some somebody should wear a Doctor Theopolis necklace because I anyway I would think that was hilarious. Yes, Jason. Yes, Monty. Kit is a robot. Kit is a computer. Sorry. Kit, Kit is a in fact Kit is a robot car. It, in fact, spoiler alert, Kit was a previous selection just just the other day uh, in our computer draft, and therefore I'm going to declare him ineligible. How can you say that an automobile doesn't have a body? Well, I think it's a vehicle. I think computers controlling vehicles are computers controlling vehicles, not robots, where there's an implication that there's some sort of biological form that they're well, representing let, so well let let me suggest to you that car car also ineligible night <laughs> automated roving robot yeah all right that's nice but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say no to kit ah uh, me and crow are very disappointed because we were gonna have some fun <laughs> is that how you guys were gonna get around <laughs> yeah it's gonna be me and crow tooling around in kit <laughs> i would watch that right so I'm, I'm going to go with something else with the word robot in its name. Are you going to tell me Robot Monster is not a robot? <laughs> huh. I, 
It's hard. Well, it could be like a Bigfoot. It's hard to tell from the costume. It's difficult to tell if it's purely organic with a kind of a controlling thing or not. But I, if it is in the title, so I'll, I'll let you have Robot Monster right. if you like. All right, then my pick is Robot Monster, the titular creature of some sort, probably a robot. <laughs> to be the human. I must, yet I cannot. Uh, he had on a gorilla suit and a fishbowl kind of space helmet. Sort of diving helmet with with antenna. <laughs> he lived in a cave in Los Angeles where Kirk and Spock used to go a lot. And he had a big communicating uh, machine that spat out bubbles. <laughs> yes, I can verify all of the, what Monty has said is true. Wait, now, did the bubbles actually come from the suit or did they, they were just like in the vicinity, right? Wherever he would appear. They were from the communicator machine, I think. Oh, okay, okay. It's now, been a while. Now, interestingly, this robot... Who's playing Lawrence Well. Uh, uh, robot Monster has not met Crow, but Crow has seen Robot Monster, so I think uh, we'll all have something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Well planned out there. Yeah. All right. I think that helps to break the ice. Robot Monster, probably a robot. Probably a robot. We'll, we'll give that one to you. Because I feel bad about Poss- Kit, but Kit was already picked, so we can't we can't go back there. He calls himself a Roman at one point. Roman, yes, as opposed to the human. Robot monster. <laughs> wow. Erica, what is your uh, robot? You get to pick a robot now. Okay, um, I, I could have continued with Doctor Who, but I decided I would decide <laughs> from that. <laughs> Lots more robots in Doctor Who lots uh but instead of you got the best robot <laughs> you got the best one i really did i really did uh instead i'm gonna go with a different british uh property and go with Crichton from red dwarf oh, oh good nice yeah. uh, yes. uh Crichton, who appeared first in the episode Crichton in series two and he wasn't actually supposed to be a regular character he was just supposed to be a one-off he he rides off on lister's space bike at the end of that episode to be try to become cool uh but then in the next season uh doug naylor realized we really kind of need another character in here who can do something because right at that time they had there was a hologram there was a humanoid sort of cat guy and, and lister knows it so they're like we need to bring him back so they did and the original guy who ha- was supposed to play him uh david ross who played him in that first episode was unavailable he was doing something so they found robert llewellyn instead and he became the Crichton that most of us remember and know and love of. Uh, so, I, and you may know him as the original host of Junkyard Wars slash uh, <laughs> Scrap Heap Challenge. Right, yes, a a wonderful reality show and hosted by Crichton Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crichton was. I it, his personality always made me laugh because he was a lovely balance of completely subservient because he was supposed to be sort of just the 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 butler style robot who did all of the cooking and cleaning and all that kind of stuff but he had spent his early existence with you know a whole bunch of pretty ladies is what it looked like and then a whole bunch of very pretty corpses for several years yes eventually because he went crazy and then he um and then he ends up with with Lister, who's the slobbiest man in the universe, and he's very upset about it. And I just I, I like watching Robert Llewellyn does a great job with all that foam makeup on his head of contorting his face uh, far enough that it actually contorts the foam as well, and that you can tell that he's very upset about things. But he's always nice about it. When, and sometimes I feel a little bit like that. I like the foam face. I, I like how it. You get the feeling that that's how Crichton has been constructed. Is he sort of a a foam? 
a foam-based robot. <laughs> yes. I've read Robert Llewellyn's book, The Man in the Rubber Mask, which is about him being on Red Dwarf. And he seems very angry about the fact that several times in the series, he would get a two-page speech that starts with, there are several reasons we cannot do this. And then he has to talk for <laughs> several minutes. And then Denny John Jules as the cat would get to say, I was with you up until you said there are several. And then the audience would go crazy. And <laughs> no one had to memorize pages of technical nonsense except Robert Llewellyn, because that was his whole job. That's true. But he did it so well. So that's that's why he and K-9 and I are, are going to hang out. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That's a good one. I picked Crichton. Now that now that I'm thinking about it in, in a team sort of aspect, I picked Crichton because he will do my laundry and fix me supper. And warn you that you don't actually have any rocket pants. <laughs> exactly. This is good because K-9 is not really useful unless you need to laser something. So And, and he has vacuum attachments that attach to his torso, mm. which is handy. <laughs> <laughs> no comment for cleaning time to take a break for a word from our sponsor it's proflowers.com now if mom's not happy nobody's happy this is a rule this is a truism it's an axiom it's another word that i can't think of now that means it's the truth mom needs to be happy and so i ask you what's your plan to make your mother happy this mother's day Surprise her, perhaps, with a beautiful 100 Blooms bouquet plus a free glass vase, all from proflowers.com for just $19.99. Now, proflowers.com, you've heard me talk about them before. They are the website that makes it easy, painless to order flowers. They're shipped direct to your loved ones. They're guaranteed to last at least a week. And I'll tell you, I've seen these in action in my house and also at my mother's house. They really last. They're beautiful. Um... They're really high quality. It's great. The flowers the flowers last and last. You can upgrade, by the way, to 100 blooms with a pink face and chocolates for $9.99 more on that previous offer, all by using the code INCOMPARABLE to get a special price on your Mother's Day order while supplies last. Like I said, guaranteed to last a full week or Pro Flowers will give you your money back. They're freshly picked bouquets. They're perfect for Mother's Day. And ordering is easy. I don't like calling people on the phone. And I always felt like to order flowers, what you need to do is call a florist somewhere and get them to you know walk you through what kind of bouquet you want. This is easy. This is web commerce. You go to proflowers.com. You can see the offer. You know exactly what they're going to get. You click. You put in your credit card. You make the order. Done. Super easy. So here's the only way to get this great Mother's Day deal. You need to go to proflowers.com. You need to click on the blue microphone in the top right corner. And you need to type in the secret code, which is easy to remember because it's incomparable. That's proflowers.com. Click the blue microphone. Type in incomparable. And this deal expires soon. So make sure you make that order today so that the flowers can get to your mom so that she's happy. Because again, if mom isn't happy, no one is happy. So thank you, proflowers.com, for sending flowers to my mom and for sponsoring The Incomparable. Steve, you get to pick a robot now. Oh, boy. I don't know. This uh, whole AI rule has uh, really torn my list asunder here. Yeah, mine too. Computers are not robots. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the original email you sent out included AIs, but uh, I don't know. They have to have bodies. Of some uh, sort. So I suppose GLaDOS is off the table then. GLaDOS also picked in our computer. Game. <laughs> Sorry about, how about that. How about Max Hedrum? Uh Not a robot, no. Uh, 
Uh, with GLaDOS gone, then I guess Shodan is, is gone as well? I don't even know what that is. That is, uh, that, well, in that case, I pick Shodan. <laughs> it's a robot as far as you know. The sentient hyper-optimized data access network, it's clearly a robot. No, networks are not. They have to have bodies. No. <laughs> well, okay, I would, I would say that Shodan has a body in the form of the various robots and uh, mutant humans that she controls. Oh, she's a cybernetic entity, according to Wikipedia. All right, fine. You can have Shodan. <laughs> yes! Oh! Congratulations. All right. I'm going to pick Shodan, then. Uh, Shodan... Also, Shodan not picked in our computer draft, and therefore doubly eligible. Good. This pleases me. So, yeah, Shodan is, uh, is, was the GLaDOS before GLaDOS, except where GLaDOS is played for, for humorous effect, Shodan is really, really, really creepy. Um, she's, she's from the game, might be a he, but she speaks with a female voice. Um, she's from the- According to Wikipedia, as a cybernetic entity, Shodan has no conventional gender. Okay, then. So she's, it's genderless. They refer to her as a she, to, I think, in the second, just to make it more, more, more uh, simple. But anyway, yes, she is an AI uh, in charge of the Trioptimum Corporation's Citadel Research Station, and then Trioptimum hires a hacker to remove all ethical constraints so they can continue their genetic engineering experiments. And naturally, like all good AIs, she immediately determines that the humans must die. Um, the great thing about Shodan, by the way, I, I may not have mentioned it, but System Shock is the game from whence she comes, and then also the superb System Shock 2. Um, the great thing about Shodan is that she doesn't uh, have any direct means to physically harm you, so she sends out robots and mutants to take you out. Her body proxy, as it were. Uh, and then she just taunts you mercilessly from the station's audio system the whole time you're fighting for your survival. So, uh, and she's kind of omnipresent throughout the the station. Uh, you know, she's got cameras as her eyes, and then of course the robots and mutants are always keeping keeping track of you. So, while you're crawling around through uh, Citadel Station and then through the Von Braun, which is the spaceship that you're the derelict ship that you're uh, crawling through in the second game, it's almost like you're walking around inside of Shodan and. The whole time she's screaming threats at you and calling you an insect and mocking your feeble efforts to survive in this really kind of creepy, stuttering voice that's actually, I think they use three different female voices just speaking simultaneously in different pitches. And uh, you are fitted with a cybernetic implant, so she has means to kind of get inside your brain as well. So there are these really spooky sequences where you're just sort of seeing colors and kind of in this uh, hallucinogenic state while you're being spoken to about how you're going to be dismantled and reassembled as something else. And it's just a, a, probably my one of my favorite, perhaps in the top five favorite villains of, uh, of any video game that I've ever played. Shodan. She's good. It's good. All right. And uh, ostensibly a robot for the purposes of this draft. Sure. Sure, any... any uh... Computers left over that are arguably robots will be, I guess, maybe allowed. I don't know. <laughs> we'll say so. Sure. Well, you, you know, you guys are struggling here, and yet I have I have uh, like nine more robots on my list. And I, oh, I've got plenty. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I got a, I got a few more. Oh yeah, we just wanted good ones. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I've got I've got a lot, but the the AIs are well represented. So. All right. I am going to go um, with, uh, so this is a robot that is played by an actress who was hired 
because she was a model. And yet over the course of the rebooted Battlestar Galactica, it was revealed that Trisha Helfer, actually a pretty darn good actress. So six, the murderous Cylon slash um, horribly abused Cylon slash voice in the head of Dr. Baltar Cylon uh, is my is my second choice. A fascinating character that goes very rapidly from being the kind of roll your eyes sex appeal character to being something much more complicated and interesting with a really great performance by Trisha Helfer. So she's she's a a pretty lady, but she's also a murderous robot. Isn't she an angel or something? Um, maybe. Well, spoilers, Monty, but maybe <laughs> or maybe not. Or maybe only some of her. <laughs> or maybe the last couple episodes didn't actually happen. That's possible. What The existence of the one that's in Baltar's head is a question about whether that's a voice from, uh, from the Cylon god or something like that, or an angel or something. But then there are also the other ones that are actual Cylons. So that's, uh, that's my pick six from Battlestar Galactica. The pick six, yeah. Uh, pick six. <laughs> yes. And they have a plan, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Anyway, that's my pick. David, uh, round three begins with you. All right. I'm going to go with an alien cyborg that uh, sort of fits with Robot Monster, actually. They're they're both of furry. Um, This was an alien cyborg created by a group of aliens visiting Earth to protect their secret alien base in the Pacific Northwest. Is it Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man? It is Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man. (laughs) (laughs) Who, who appeared in five episodes. The I almost had the fembots on my list. I, I have them, too. <laughs> I, I thought I'd just lump them all into you know the, the whole uh, bionic thing. But he appears in The Secret of Bigfoot, parts one and two. And he's Andre the Giant there. And then he appears in The Return of Bigfoot, parts one and two. And he's Ted Cassidy. And then the oh, best title of all five episodes, Bigfoot Five. That's it. Um, sure. But yes, he, he was created to cultivate mystery and fear in a remote part of the Pacific Northwest, according to the Bionic Wiki. So the idea that there's a robotic Bigfoot may seem strange to people who don't understand this. And all I can say <laughs> to endorse David's choice is if you were if you were a, I don't know, nine-year-old kid watching The Six Million Dollar Man in the late 70s, mm-hmm. Bigfoot made an indelible impression on you i can't explain it bigfoot was huge i mean huge and just in real life the sightings of bigfoot all the time and you know movies about bigfoot and leonard nimoy and in search of oh it's huge (laughs) and so then you know here's this show that we're all watching with the bionic spy and all that and there's a robot bigfoot and of course you don't know he's a robot at first and then then they fight a lot and then they they team up they team up yeah Oh, my God. And you had Sandy Duncan and John Saxon as aliens, which is just odd. Well, Sandy Duncan, actually an alien, actually. Turns yeah. Out. Yes. That yes. wasn't a big stretch. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, those those episodes. And that, that blue lit tunnel that with the, uh, yeah. the, the, the I guess, the, the cylinder that it, that it is keeps spinning around the the bridge that they walk in to get into the alien base that made a huge impression on me as a child. Absolutely. So, all right. Bionic Bigfoot. And I had the action figure. Yeah. Yeah. 
It seems like it wouldn't be a thing, but I'm telling you, it was a thing. It's just if you it hit you just right, it was indelible. Monty, pick a robot. Uh, well, so far I have Crow and the Robot Monster. I'm worried that my team is a little goofy right now, so I want somebody who can provide moments of inspiration and also, if necessary, is covered in a million lasers. <laughs> so I'm going to take Vin Diesel's finest work in all film... The Iron Giant. The Iron Giant. Yay! <laughs> that was on my list. Because the Iron Giant is great. Wonderful. And again, he doesn't have to be a killing machine. That's the whole point of the movie. He can just hang out with us and watch movies. He is not a gun. He is a fun-loving guy. Yes. Who wants to be Superman and is not a gun. Yes. But if if called on, I believe, to save humanity, he would blow the crap out of whatever was threatening humanity. Yeah. Like, even if you're Superman... You could destroy things if you wanted to. You just don't have to. Rather watch a movie. Hang out with a kid in the junkyard. Eat some metal. It is Vin Diesel's greatest performance, I believe. <laughs> it is. Of course it is. He can't make you cry in any of his other performances. No. He can, but for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the pacifier aside. <laughs> All right. The, uh, yeah, The Iron Giant. I have nothing uh, uh, but a big thumbs up for that. I love The Iron Giant. Great movie, great character, and was on my list. So I fully endorse your choice. And an actual robot. Now that's a robot. That's right. <laughs> Erica, robot time. All right. Well, um, I wouldn't say that my team is goofy so far, but maybe not as competent as it could be. So mm -hmm. uh, I think I want to add somebody. I'm going to go in real classic here. I am going to go with, and I may pronounce this wrong because it's uh, a name I've only read, R. Daniel Olivois ah. from Isaac Asimov's robot novels. Um, I uh, He first appeared in The Caves of Steel, uh, followed by The Naked Sun. And The Naked Sun, I, I, I've read all of the, those books, but The Naked Sun is one of those comfort reading books for me that I just go back to again and again and again. And so, so R. Daniel R stands for robot, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, is is just sort of he he feels like an old pal to me. Um, he was he was constructed on Earth in fifty twenty A.D. Uh, he was one of the very first sort of robots in the Isaac Asimov um, universe of robots, mm -hmm. and he was created to be identical to humans. Later on, they kind of. Uh, <laughs> um, <made laughs> differentiated a little better but he was able to pretty much blend in uh and later on they even gave him the ability to sort of be able to read binds and influence mental states and stuff I, I prefer him sort of earlier on when he's kind of traveling around doing these mystery stories with elijah bailey and uh, elijah sort of teaching him that you know right and wrong from that there are sort of more grays in the world instead of just the black and whites of of what he was built to learn but he also has a little bit to teach elijah because you know he's he's a pretty pretty level-headed and and calm individual and i think that would be helpful for for Crichton and myself mm. definitely doesn't he show up in some of the uh foundation sequels he does yep ties them all together the whole universe that's a great pick i i almost he wasn't on my list but i almost put him on my list because that i have fond memories of r daniel Oliver. and of course the asimov Hopefully, many of our robots follow Asimov's laws of robotics. Yes, that was another reason for putting him on my list, because I'm pretty sure Crichton, uh, if he does have those three laws of robotics, maybe isn't holding to them as, uh, as 
well as he should be. And certainly K9 doesn't because K9 zapping people left and right. Well, his, you know, his primary concern is taking care of uh, the the larger needs of mankind, the zeroth law, right? The whole point of the laws of robotics is to find elaborate ways around them. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's right. We got it set. We got laws. They're not going to cause any trouble. Oh, and then they cause trouble. That's what robots do. Robots do that. Steve, pick a robot. Oh, boy. Uh, I feel emboldened by my ability to get Shodan past the censures. Uh-oh. So, uh... Well, then this next one is definitely not a robot. <laughs> I would like... Oh, are you sure? Because what I would like to pick is the robot, the dance move from the mid-1980s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a robot. Our shared culture would be infinitely poorer without the spectacle of white men trying to break dance. <laughs> you got it. That's eligible for choice. Really? You're giving me the robot? Yes. You get the robot. I'm giving you the robot right now, but you can't see it, Steve. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm keeping the robot, and I'm going, I'm going back to my corner. That does it. My next pick is going to be the song Mr. Roboto. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Mm. Um... I have so many choices here. I am going to choose <laughs> Come With Me If You Want To Live. <laughs> I am going to choose the Terminator, the good one from the second Terminator, not the bad one from the first Terminator. And why would they construct a robot that speaks in an Austrian accent? Maybe they were Austrian. <laughs> yeah, but I thought John Connor created that. Well, he was working with an Austrian scientist who... Suffice it to say, he speaks with an Austrian accent. Don't ask why. <laughs> uh, but I know now why you humans cry... Um and uh, all of that. It's it's the Terminator. Those are great movies. We should probably do episodes about the Terminator at some point. And Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. at his at his uh, peak, I think, uh, especially in Terminator Two. Peak Schwarzenegger. So there you go. Plus he's naked in the Terminator because you know that. Well, I both of them because time travel requires nudity. Turns out you can't send metal back. Just people made out of metal, wrapped in skin. Apparently, that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah, that's right. Let me put on pants first. <laughs> All right, the Terminator. Uh, we have time to do one more round. Oh God, one more round. That's it. And then we'll have. Then we'll get up. You'll bring out your dead. But you know, I, the way we're going, I think we're only going to get one full round in. Unless be quick, be be quick, and we can do an extra round beyond that. But you got to be quick, David. Go. All right. One of my favorite robots from the early '80s because I love Ray Harryhausen. Bubo the mm. Owl from Clash of the Titans. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Because I loved the idea of this little robotic <laughs> owl in the middle of all these Greek myths, right? Um, and he's just cute. He's just a really neat design and a really neat, you know, and just the whole, you know, clearly he's like the ancient Greek R2-D2. So, mm-hmm. Bubo. A robot who hasn't been picked, That's by the way, right. which is just shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't add much to a conversation, frankly. We're we're thinking outside the box. Or bots. We're thinking outside the bots. Yeah. Outside the robotic box. <laughs> yeah. Uh Monty, pick a robot. Uh I'm going to pick Lance Henriksen as Bishop in Aliens. Yeah. Cross that yeah. one off mine. Ah, uh, yeah. Good pick. Because he's super awesome. He's in one of my favorite movies, and he's uh good with this knife game. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, could come in handy. <laughs> That's my yep. favorite line from that film, by the way. <laughs> I had such a crush on Lance Henriksen. Oh my goodness. He's great. Mm-hmm. All right, Bishop from Aliens. Good yeah. pick. 
Very good. Very good. I had that one in my uh, list of consideration too. Erica, pick a robot. Uh, my next one, I'm going animated. Well, kind of animated. Uh, cartoon, basically. <laughs> I'm going with Pint Size, the uh, anthro PC from the webcomic Questionable Content. Oh, he's cute as a button. Yeah, um, Martin is the main character, and he has this little anthro PC, which is kind of a, a live sort of iPod type thing. And uh, he's foul-mouthed, he's filthy-minded, but he's so lovable. It's like he's got a heart of gold. He's he's usually the comic relief, and he has a really weird fascination with cake batter. All right. I've never heard of Pint Size, but I approve. That's a robot. <laughs> Steve? Yes. Pick me a robot. All right. I feel like I might have gone a bridge too far with that last pick, so I'm going to pick, pick an actual robot this time. Uh, I can hear in my head millions of voices crying out in agony that we have not yet picked something from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really kind of a surprise. So, Well, you know, John Syracuse said he would be here, and then he didn't show up. So really, it's his own damn That fault. is. It really is his fault. In fact, I should probably pull back and not do Star Wars because of that. <laughs> Yoink. But instead, I am going to select HK47. Yes. Nice. Who is uh who is from the game Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a superb RPG and uh highly recommended for anybody who hasn't played it. But HK47 is an assassin droid. Uh in his own words, it is my primary function to burn holes through meat bags that you wish <laughs> removed from the galaxy. <laughs> Succinct. Uh he's you find him, I think, in a in the back of a robot shop in, I think, Tatooine, strangely enough. And uh, he walks around. Where all the good droids come from. He's, he's, he, <laughs> he feels differently about you depending on whether you choose the dark side or the light side path. And since I always choose the light side path, I spent most of the game with him berating me for not allowing him to kill random passers-by. But, uh, yeah, he spends a lot of time calling you a sloshing liquid meat bag or <clears throat> regaling you with tales of how his... Previous masters died horribly, usually because of him. Uh, he has great lines, and uh, he's for for all of his viciousness, he's the comic relief of that game, and he's really, really, really funny. So, highly recommend Knights of the Old Republic. HK forty seven is my pick. Yeah, great pick. I uh, you guys did that so well that we will be able to do another round. Yay! My pick to to close out this round. Uh, he spends most of the movie standing like a statue, but he's waiting for the order. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. I'm going to pick Gort. Nice. Oh, I'll cross that off, too. Yep. From the day the Earth stood still, Gort uh, follows orders, can destroy the Earth, and uh, and uh, responds to visual or to uh, auditory commands uh, pretty, pretty well, actually, um, and looks really intimidating when he's just standing there and fires a beam out of his visor eye thing. Uh, that's uh, scary. So Gort from the day the earth stood still. Classic 50s movie robot. David, you get to pick another robot. Well, I'm tempted to pick the robots from Riptide because I think Phil Michaels would do that. <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> but yes, I will go with Peepo from Space Academy, which was on in 1978. Eight or 1977 it was 1977 on cbs saturday mornings and he might have been the first robot who i knew by name this little boxy thing you know radio controlled robot and you know it wasn't a bad little show for a saturday morning show it was it had jonathan harris um, actually getting to act instead of just running around and going oh the pain 
you know, um, and, but it was made by filmation. So it was made really, really cheaply. And mm-hmm. they, they turned it into Jason of star command after that. And it just wasn't the same with, uh, James doing with James. Well, for the first year. Yeah. So, so I'll go with people cause, cause he was, he was the, the first robot I really knew. Even he came out even before star Wars, I think. Mm. So, Peepo had the look of a robot that you could actually buy on, in the Sears catalog. and then Yeah, you, you probably could have at that point. But the name of something that you might get out of the Adam and Eve catalog. Yes. <laughs> Yikes. Monty, pick a robot. Uh, well, because Robbie the Robot and Gort have got me thinking about classic style robots, I'm going to pick Maria, the robot from Metropolis. Nice. Green. Excellent. Which, by the way, uh, a couple of years ago, they found another 40% of that movie. So if you only watched it in your youth, <laughs> watch it again. It makes more sense now. Yeah, Ren picked the extended Metropolis in our uh, in our film festival a couple of years back. Um, because, yeah, they they it's more complete now. <laughs> and it's not like one of those director's cut kind of things. It's like they lost large parts of the movie yeah. and they're back. I think Maria's... Uh, a super iconic look for a robot. Yeah. Great pick. Thank you. Excellent pick. Erica, pick a robot. Okay. I am going to go with, let's see. I had a lot of AIs on here. I had to cross off. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I am going to go with Vincent from Disney's The Black Hole. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. I had Maximilian on my list. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was always a big fan. I mean, I just like Roddy McDowell's voice. It just makes me happy. Um, and Vincent was just, he tried so hard and he was just gosh darn adorable. I just thought he was wonderful. So I, I would be happy to hang out with Vincent. He's a good shooter too. Mm-hmm. He had great eyes. And an old prospector voice. No, that's old Bob. That's old Bob. That was Bob. Oh, that's old Bob. You're right. Bob. That was Slim Pickens. Same model. That's right. The old... So Vincent, same model, but the older <laughs> older robots, I'm not really sure how that works. <laughs> yep. Are are prospectors. Yes, they are. <laughs> I don't understand. That was no, you're right. You're right. There was two different models. Vincent was the spry younger mm-hmm. R2D2 like robot. And then there was Nice shooting robot. He, <laughs> and then there's the old robot. Yeah, he carried that film as far as I'm concerned. Vincent mm. was I, I was all about him. Well, Ernie Borgnine, I mean, come on. Very good. Oh, the black hole. That is not really a good movie, but yet. <laughs> oh, it's it's good. It's stuck, good. Has stuck mm. in our minds. Come on. It looked at Dean Jones, right? Dean Jones. Dean Jones, Yvette Mimieux. Maximilian uh, Schell. First Disney movie where somebody died, I believe. Nonsense. It was after Bambi. Live action, though. Live action. Dies brutally, too, with like a spinning rotor blade to the gut. And the, and the end, you're like, what? Huh? Yeah. Steve, pick a robot. Uh... Around the time that people were uh, excited about the droids in Star Wars, uh, there was yet another robot, probably the second set of robots, or the second robot that I recall from a Hollywood film, uh, and it made a lasting impression on me. I refer to the Silver Sphere from Phantasm, a robot whose sole purpose is to fly through the mortuary, uh, stick to your head, drill into your brain, and shoot all the blood out of your body onto the floor behind you. Wow. Wow. That's a terrible robot. Nice pick. <laughs> That's what it does. Have fun with that guy on your team. It it does what it does well, and uh, just don't go into the mortuary. You should be fine. <laughs> yep. What what it does is 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 worry you uh, extremely well because uh, 
yeah, you don't want that silver sphere coming after you. It's it's creepy when it's flying around the mortuary. It becomes far more creepy when the uh, caretaker gets dispatched and falls to the floor. and Suddenly you realize the stakes are much higher than you expected. You guys are doing such an awesome job that we're going to go another <gasps> round. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So be, you, we, we obviously, the long-winded people didn't come on this episode, Glenn. <laughs> anyway, so, so we're going to be able to get more robots in. I will, I will close out this round with my pick. I've seen some things you people wouldn't believe. Oh, yeah. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. <laughs> sea beams glittering in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain. Time to die. <laughs> Yeah. Rutger Hauer is Roy Batty from Blade Runner. <laughs> I don't love Blade Runner, but I love Roy Batty, and I love that monologue. So Roy Batty, part of which was pick. was ad libbed by him. Rutger Hauer, what you gonna do? I'm pretty pro Rutger Hauer just in general, even when he's a hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> the Hitcher, <laughs> David, pick a robot. Well, now, I'm not sure if mine counts, because he might be a robot and he might not, but I'm going to go with Rick Deckard, also from Blade Runner, because I like the idea that he is one. Spoilers, David. Spoilers. Yeah, I was, I was, I was torn. I, yeah, well, there's this <laughs> unicorn, and, well, um, yeah, no, I was torn between Roy Batty and Rick Deckard, and so when you went with Roy, I went, ah, all right, I'll go with Rick. So, so clearly an endorsement of the Deckard as a replicant. Well, I, at least, at least I like the possibility. I mean, I, I, I've, you know, there's so many different versions of it that are out there. My God, but if he is one, I'll pick one. All right, that's good, Monty. A robot for you, sir. I'm going to take Gur from Invader Zim. Ah, possibly nice. the most quotable robot I have ever seen. He's a uh, small, completely incompetent, and. Sometimes disguised as a dog. He likes taquitos. <laughs> uh, appears to be completely insane, even for the standards <laughs> of the show Invader Zim. Yeah. He's good fun. Grr. All right. Grr. I love this show. <laughs> nice. Erica, a robot for you. All right. Well, I feel like I should bookend with a little more Doctor Who. It just feels right at this point. All right. So I am going to go with Chameleon. Chameleon was a short-lived companion <laughs> to the Doctor. The yep. robot companion who didn't work. Yes. It's actually a very sad story. They had they, they had commissioned this awesome robot that moved and, and was programmable and stuff. And then the fellow who did the programming, the only one that really knew how to make it work, died in, I think, a car accident. So they had this robot, and they had one of the two guys who had designed it, but not the one who knew how to completely make it work right. And they kind of limped through the first episode. Uh, and the idea was that this robot chameleon could mimic anything so it could turn into other people for some strange reason than the first episode he was in. He was the master had him imitating King John so that he could destroy Magna Carta. I, it, don't ask why. It was <laughs> sure. ridiculous. For evil reasons. The Magna Carta must be destroyed. This was this was his plan. Anyway, um, so then after that, they, uh, they, the doctor and his companions liberate K-9 from the clutches of the master. and Chameleon. Chameleon, not sorry, K-9. Still thinking about K-9. <laughs> uh, liberate Chameleon. Much better. And mm-hmm. bring him onto the TARDIS, and then he disappears for several episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I think it's a fun game to actually just watch those stories and look in the TARDIS and be like, what random object is, is actually chameleon in disguise? Um, and then they decide finally to write him out. So he comes back for one more story at the end and the master takes him over again. It's 
it's kind of a sad end. And I feel like he got just really the short end of the stick. So I think he should come and hang out on my team of robots because we would have a good time. If he worked. <laughs> that's the tr- that's the trick with chameleon if he if he works sad steve you get a robot one more robot for you one more robot for me you get a robot you get a robot <laughs> look under your you seats all please get robots you're sitting on a robot your seat is a robot <laughs> uh-oh uh this may require ruling from the judges mm-hmm. uh this is a common household robot it is not, in fact, the Roomba, although I am te- tempted to take the Roomba because I cannot mm-hmm. get enough of videos of cats riding around on Roomba. <laughs> here, here. Uh, no, what I would like to pick is, the, is Rob, the robotic operating buddy, huh? who, who nope. came with the original deluxe set of the Nintendo Entertainment System in <laughs> 1984. Oh, that guy. <laughs> sure, go ahead. All right, he was a little robot pal that sat by you uh, while you played uh, Gyromite, which came with the original deluxe set uh, previous to them packing uh, Super Mario Brothers in as the pack-in. You got Duck Hunt and Gyromite along with the uh, the Nintendo Zapper and the robotic operating buddy. And uh, what Rob would do is he'd sit there and watch the game, and uh, in response to your commands, he would pick up a little gyroscope, drop it into a little uh, rotating motor, so it would spin, and then he would set it on one of two buttons to hold the gates that you had to get past up or down. Uh, and if the, uh, the gyro- gyroscope stopped spinning before you got a chance to pick it up, well, too bad. You had to reach over there and grab it yourself. He was not that useful of a robot, to be honest. <laughs> <No. laughs> he was a pretty cool gimmick, and I really enjoyed uh, Gyromite, even though I think that's a very minority opinion. He was not meant to be helpful. He was meant to be a buddy. Yes, he, and he was. He was my buddy for that uh, couple of months that I played Gyromite before better games came out. Uh, and then they released Stack Up, which was another, uh, which was another Rob-based game, and then uh, he was never heard or seen from again. Until now. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I actually found my old Rob as we were cleaning out my parents' house uh, about three years ago, but alas, the gear that caused his body to go up and down on the central uh, axis had stripped off for years of just sitting in place. Ah, oh, shame. So Rob was was no more. Although the little motor that spun the gyroscope still worked, so we had hours of fun with that. Rob, he was your buddy. You know, this so so with this last pick, this is normally where I would pick a micronaut, and in fact, I have a micronaut <laughs> on my list. But I'm going to save him for the for the uh, pharaoh. should not be selectable for for when we bring for when we bring out uh, our our what, what didn't make our list. I'm going to pick from Marvel Comics. I'm going to pick Machine Man. He was created by Jack Kirby. He first appeared in the totally insane 2001 A Space Odyssey comic Mm. by Jack Kirby, spun off into his own series. He was brought back several times. There's a great Barry Windsor Smith miniseries from the 80s set in the future with Machine Man in it. He ended up, Warren Ellis had him in Next Wave, Agents of Hate. Um He's in Marvel Zombies in one of those because they send the robots to kill the zombies because the robots can't get bitten and turn into zombies, which is kind of brilliant. Uh, his arms like telescope out really far, and he's really kind of messed up emotionally because he knows that he's a robot and yet he has human emotions and people don't treat him like a, a person because he's a robot and he's very upset about that. So I'm going to pick Machine Man with the uh, with the last pick in our draft. That's it. That's the last pick. That's it. Draft is over, folks. 
the draft is over. <laughs> but now we will do what we do, which is not part of the draft. It's totally separate from right. the draft. Entirely, totally different. Which is when I ask each of you to list what you didn't get to pick that you would have liked to have picked. David, what do you have left over? Well, a Questor from the Questor tapes, a, a failed Gene Roddenberry pilot from the early 70s. Sort of a, the original data, really. A proto-data, yeah. Um you know, I had I had Micronauts on here. I had these Cybernauts from the the Avengers TV series, the the British one, not the Marvel one. Um, the the Cybermen who were a lot like the Cybernauts. I don't know which ones came first. Um, obviously, I had Tom Servo and Iron Giant and all on here. Uh, and I'm surprised, being such a Buffy fan, you didn't pick the Buffy bot. Oh, interesting choice. Not not John not John Ritter as the as Ted the robot. <laughs> if 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 it's my team and I'm gonna hang out for if I'm gonna hang out for a long time, I'm gonna hang out with the Buffy Bot. I, I like John Ritter, but Buffy Bot is good. Buffy Bot is good. All right, uh, Monty, what what were your spare robots? Uh, my spare robots. I couldn't decide on a robot from Futurama. It was either going to be Hedonism Bot or the Robot Devil. Hmm. Uh, I was also strongly considering Awesomeo, the cardboard <laughs> <Nice>. box that <laughs> Cartman was wearing when he was pretending to be a robot. <laughs> also, uh, Helper from Venture Brothers, the Saloon Doors from the Thrilling Adventure Hour, ah. and uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Nice. Oh, that was yeah. a good one. Those are all good. Erica, what are your spare robots? Oh, my spare bots. Uh, from Doctor Who, I had the Raston Warrior Robot from the Five Doctors. No Movellans. No. <laughs> I probably should have picked the Movellans because, man, I love those disco bots. They're awesome. Mm. Um, and then also Quarks from the Dominators because they're just kind of cute. Um, mm. And let's see. Uh, I also – I can't believe nobody picked R2-D2, but I had it on my list. I just didn't get done that far. So obvious. It is too obvious. Johnny Five from Short Circuit because Johnny – Johnny Five is alive. Johnny Five is alive. I can't believe no, Johnny Five is unpicked. He's <laughs> terrible. There's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love him. He probably would have been next. Who's Johnny? She said. And smiled in that special way. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then there's one that I definitely would not have. It was on my list, but when I started thinking of it as a team, definitely wouldn't have picked because Vicky from Small Wonder bugged the crap out of me. I had her as my pick in anger in case somebody angers yes. me. Yes. <laughs> yes. She and Crichton could race in cleaning your place up. They both mm. love doing laundry. Our friend Moises Chuyan in the chat room had Vicky among his list of picks, along with R5D4, The Vision, Bender, which nobody uh-huh. picked, Ultron, good <laughs> evil robot, and BMO, BMO from Adventure Time. BMO. We did have some cute robots. I thought that was nice that we had some cute robots. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, my last one was going to be, and I don't, I can't remember. I think he he was an AI, but I think he got a body at the end of the game. So I was going to say he counted was Arthur, the sidekick from the Journeyman Project uh, video game series. Oh, man, the Journeyman Project. That was great. <laughs> I love the Journeyman Project. It was beautiful. It was kind of hard to play, but it looked great. Steve? Yeah, I had uh, I had Glados as mentioned earlier. Yes, as picked in the computer draft. Thanks, thanks a lot, computer draft. Uh, I had uh, from Akewood. I had Lybot and or Vlad, both oh. both superb robots. Mainly, I wanted Lybot so so I could discuss what the saddest thing is. <laughs> Monty knows where I'm coming from here. He knows what the saddest thing is. Uh, I had two XL who uh, who taught me the metric system as a child. 
thanks to a well-meaning family member who thought every kid's dream is to have the Learn the Metric System program for 2XL. <laughs> can, can I borrow that? <laughs> oh, 2XL was great. Uh, Bender, of course, and uh, as I mentioned, Vicky, my, my, my pick in case the judges uh, irritated me. <laughs> <laughs> and my picks were, I had Bender, but my, my Futurama backup was Calculon. Mm-hmm. I love Calculon with a name like a calculator, but he's actually just an incredibly vain actor bot. Uh, Biotron from the Micronauts. I have a Biotron up on a shelf in my, uh, in my house. Does the little professor calculator qualify as a robot? I, I mean, everything could be a robot when you think of it that way, Steve. Because um, there was one in literally every home when I was growing up. That's <laughs> true. I, I had Ruck, who was oh. who uh, was played by Ted Cassidy from what what uh, our little girls made of great original series episode. That he was really creepy. Um, the oldest android. He he spoke of the old ones who came thousands of years ago. I, I that was such a great character, um, and he tried to kill everybody, and then he dies. Um, and uh, I had Robot from the movie Robot and Frank with Frank Langella. Oh. Robot is a friendly robot that is programmed to help old people who have bad memories. And Robot is convinced by Frank to um, go on a heist, which Robot kind of goes along, is, is convinced uh, he should go along with for the mental health of his patient. It's a sweet movie <laughs> and uh, it's a cute robot. So I had him, but I didn't pick him. Sorry, Rob. Oh, yeah. I also had uh, Daryl. I forgot to... I don't know how I uh, that. Yep. D- data Analyzing Robot Youth Life Form, played by Barrett Oliver, who is also from The NeverEnding Story. And who I did a commercial with back in the early 80s. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I briefly considered Muffet, you know, the robot yeah. dog from the first Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but if you're going to go robot dog, you might as well just go canine. Or, or Chomps, movie Chomps. But there wasn't a chimpanzee in the canine <laughs> costume. Why don't you take Rex from Airplane 2 while you're at it? Or Scraps. I'm Scraps. <laughs> Hello, I'm Scraps. Dog draft. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? That's a good one, actually. Oh, heavenly dog. We'll get there. Episode 320, <laughs> the dog draft. <laughs> All right, well, um, we've learned nothing. <laughs> As usual. Hooray. <laughs> we've listed robots. Everybody leaves with their robots. You can do what you want with your robots. I'm going to do the robot with my robots. <laughs> except for except for Rob, who does not have articulated arms that function in the robot-necessary way. You'll be doing the robot in front of Rob, <laughs> saying, look at me, I'm a robot, and Rob will not be able to do anything. He could just move his torso up and down and spin his gyros. You also have the phantasm sphere. How, how's that going to dance? Uh, it can make its little pitchforks come in and out, and you know, it will work yeah. something out. All right, I'm in. Nice. All right. It'll be the disco ball. And so that brings us to the end of this ridiculous uh, incomparable. uh, I should say another ridiculous incomparable (laughs) draft. The most ridiculous incomparable? I don't know. I can't can't judge that. Could be. I can't judge that. Uh, It seems kind of on topic, but, you know, who can tell? Uh, I'd like to thank my panelists for picking robots. David Lore, you picked Robbie the Robot, Tweak, Biddy Biddy. Hey, Buck. Hey, Buck. I can't tweak. That was a serious pick <laughs> from Buck Rogers. That was also on my anger list, by the way. <laughs> Big, Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man, Bubo, Peepo, and Deckard from Blade Runner. I can't wait to see the, the sitcom with Bubo. Bubo and Peepo. Peepo. They're cops. With and special guest Rick star. Deckard. 
as they're he can narrate it he no no he's the well he can narrate it that's good monty and maybe he's like he's the the long-suffering you know caretaker for all of these weird little robots i was thinking he's the police captain and then when bubo and peepo go out on to it they're the detectives and he's back there keep me informed and uh yeah yeah and and special guest star ilea probe (laughs) who is the cook unit (laughs) Um, yeah. Ironically, most of the time you get arrested for letting Bubo and people yeah, out in well. public. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, Monty! Your choices were Croty Robot, the Robot Monster, the Iron Giant, Bishop from Aliens, Maria from Metropolis, and Gur from Invader Zim. <laughs> yeah, nice choices. We're gonna have some fun. <laughs> you are gonna have some fun, Erica Ensign. You had K nine. From Doctor Who, Crichton from Red Dwarf, R. Daniel Oliva from the Isaac Asimov robot books. That's a great pick. Pint Size from a webcomic, questionable content. That's cool. Vincent from the Black Hole. That's one of those backronyms. Do you know what Vincent stands for? Um, oh, I did. <laughs> I don't remember it. Wait, yes, it, uh, Vital Information. It's a really, really bad one. I remember that. It's terrible. It's Vital Information Necessary Centralized. Wow. Oh, man. They just punted went and went to centralized for the last part. <laughs> and we're done. Brutal. <laughs> yep. All right. And Chameleon, the Doctor Who robot that didn't work. Thank you for being here. Thank you. We're going to go clean the house now, basically. That's what my, <laughs> that's, my bots that's... are going to do. Watch out. Canine's just going to laser things. It's <laughs> yeah. not going to be good. Try the Roomba. It's awesome. Yeah. Maybe Canine has a Roomba mode. I will just have a cat ride Canine around. How's that sound? That's better. That sounds yeah. twisted. That's... <laughs> Enter Roomba mode. That's what K9 will say. Best YouTube video ever. It, it doesn't seem like K9 has a lot of vacuum capacity, but it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> oh, look at you. Uh, Steve, you had Marvin, the paranoid android. Yeah. Shodan, Ooh. which is a questionable pick, but I let you have it. The robot, the dance move. <laughs> Not the lost in space robot, the dance move. <sighs> HK47 from Knights of the Old Republic. Silver Sphere from Phantasm. And... Rob, the robotic operating buddy. Wow, this is a stranger list than I uh, was noticing as we went. So good for you. Don't want where I got to, Jason. Yeah, it's, uh, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. We'll do. We'll do some dancing, uh, terrorize some people. You know, play a little gyromite. Go, go to some uh, some morgues. It's gonna be a good day. And, of course, I had uh, Data from Star Trek, Six from Battlestar Galactica. Those two, I think, are going to get along. Well, he's fully functional. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, he is. The Terminator. Um, Gort. <laughs> Gort. Sort of an odd robot out. Gort, Gort and Roy Batty are going to be hanging back. I should have had the gonk droid. And Machine Man. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's it. That's 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 the uh, we, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, robots. Robots, prepare to prepare to power down. Yes. Uh, this incomparable robot draft is now complete. And thank you. You know what? After this draft, I am in fact convinced that humans are pretty much expendable. I, I welcome our new robot overlords. Yeah, kill all humans. The humans are dead. Oh. Indeed, it is time for us to go. Stay tuned next week when robots will be here drafting humans <laughs> and then killing them. Until then, I've been your host, Jason Snell. Thanks for listening. 